0: In repentance, <coughs> in repentance and rest, is your salvation. In quietness and trust, is your strength. And of course, I've been talking about these words for a little while now, and we're going to keep talking about them. And um, I've loved listening to what Matt and Anchor have been sharing this last couple of weeks. Now they've taken what Paul and I have been sharing and added their own perspective on that. It's been a joy to listen. Uh, But this morning I want to make a statement, and then I want to show you a video, and then I want to explore the statement and get back to the video. Uh, The statement is this, the time for thrashing about is over, it's time to put your head back, float, and trust in the buoyancy of the love of Father. Let me see if I can get this video to work from you. Oh, I can.
1: However you end up in the water, there's some Do you want
0: to stop it and get
1: into difficulty...
0: Oh, I could do the whole thing, that and where we well go maybe if i uh... maybe it's got confused i'll clear all that. it's not quite having the impact i hope to mate. let's try again
1: however you end up in the water this summer
0: that's really annoying anyways scenario in a live video on how to float. Um, And of course what it tells you is that if you get stuck in water the key thing is to put your head back so your ears are under the water control your breathing and make small movements with your hand and trust the buoyancy of the water because if you start thrashing about you'll be the one who is at the bottom of the sea by the time the lifeboat comes along. And if you are thrashing and fighting it, then you will end up doing that. You can, I think he's nothing going to catch up. It is fine, Simon. you can clear it. And I felt like this was a really interesting picture of life right now. And that's what I really want to talk about. I want to ask you, what are you fighting for right now? What do you feel like you're fighting for? Maybe you're fighting for your health. Maybe your relationship. Maybe you're fighting financial challenges. Maybe you're fighting to survive your past. What are you fighting for? Because it seems to me that lots of people are fighting for things in different ways. Uh, And most people have a cause that they're fighting for. And it's very easy to fall in the trap of thinking that we also have to fight. And if you read scripture, you see there's an instruction to fight. Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight in 1 Timothy 6. And he tells Timothy to recall the prophecies over his life so you need to fight the battle well in one timothy one and lots of people talk about the need to you know fight the powers of darkness and proclaim and declare and there's lots of fighting talk sometimes going on but of course you've got to remember that the same apostle paul who told timothy to fight the good fight also said to the corinthians that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world so we do have some weapons But these look very different to the ones the world uses. And I want to suggest to you the weapons we use to grow, the weapons we use rather, grow with us as we grow with Jesus. So whatever got you this far may not get you into your future. Whatever you used to manage to get you this far may not be sufficient to get you to where God wants to take you. You might have to add some things onto what you've already done. So we have these weapons, and, and I suppose... You know we've we've known as a church family we've talked a lot i can't tell you the amount of times i've taught about praying and declaring and speaking the truth and not all, dec- all that sort of stuff and i remember during covid i would come down here uh, at least once if not more than that times a week and just walk up and down this place and i'd be like i'd be praying i'd be shouting i'd have worship music on i'd be singing and i'd be doing all sorts of stuff to try and Fight what was going on in me and in everything else and I guess that's how a lot of us fought and of course there is still a sense that that's good because where where we're going is a whole new place of new tools but you also have to learn the old ones so if you've not learnt the old ones yet, you've to catch up because you'll need them all for where we're going there is a sense you will need them all. So if you've not learned to get out from under your duvet and start thanking God and speaking the truth out, well, you'll have to learn it quick. If you've not learned yet to write out a declaration based on the word of God that challenges your thoughts, well, you best crack on with it because you're gonna need to. You already need to. And it's very clear that we're not gonna we're not gonna kind of ditch any of that stuff, but it's also clear that this new era we're in demands new ways of accessing all that is ours and new ways of entering, that resting, and in particular absorbing the new tools in this new era. Because actually, as you read through Scripture, you find that fighting in the sense of the world is never the answer. You see it in the Old Testament, you see it in Jesus, and you see it in the New Testament. We see there's this common thread of what it means to achieve victory in the kingdom, and fighting and crushing your enemy is never one of them. It's never one of them ever and I want to just show you what it really means to fight because it doesn't look like we might think it looks let's start in 1 Samuel 25 so David's talked about this story of David and Abigail and and, and the priestly nature of Abigail we talked about it in Nepal and uh, I saw all sorts of different things about it but what I found was fascinating as I listened again to Paul share this story it's all in one samuel 25 we're not going to read it all but the story goes david has got a few men and he has been basically helping abigail's husband nabal and looking after and caring for some of his sheep and belongings and he sends some servants to say to nabal could we have some provision and nabal his name means fool being a fool basically goes no i'm not giving anything to you and david also being a male testosterone fueled fool decides he's going to go chop his head off. All right, this is what happens. David said to his men, each of you... Stra-, so he, he's gone to Nabal and gone, okay, give us some provisions. Nabal's gone, don't think so. You're not having out of mine. And David goes, right, guys, get your swords on. I'm going to strap mine on. 400 of us, we're going to go up. We're going to keep 200 of you. And then he says, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. Good old David. He's up for a fight. Yes. Remember, this is the man who was after God's own heart. But in this instance, he was not doing anything about God's own heart at all. He was as foolish as Nabal was. Because David, he gets disrespected, gets dishonored, and like every other testosterone-fueled male idiot, decides that killing everybody is exactly the right thing to do. Well done, David. Ooh, get my sword out. Chop somebody's head off. That'll be right. That's the way to do it. Get it all side. And his prayer, let's hope his prayer didn't get answered, because his prayer is that may God deal with me severely if any males are left alive when he's done. I mean, he's upset. He's angry. He's like, I am going to sort you out, you insolent. You can just feel it rising in me, can't you? You might not, it's real lady, but I can because I'm bloke. Some of you are laughing too loudly, Carol. But, but whether we feel it like David does and want to strap our sword and chop somebody's head off, we have to acknowledge that this is a common reaction. When we are dishonored, disrespected, treated with disdain, provoked, sometimes our natural reaction is for revenge and to fight back. Now hopefully we don't strap our swords on and plan for violence and destruction the way David did, but we do We do have a tendency at times to be violent with our words or violent with our silence, or violent with our keyboards. There is, built in every one of us at some place, a switch that can be flicked to fight for honor, or perhaps the honor of those we love. Sometimes it gets switched even more powerfully for people that we love. When we see them get hurt, when we see them, it's like, okay, now I I can cope if you do it to me, but you do it to them, now I'm going to show you. There's something in us. That's normal. It shows that you love them. But at the same time, we must ask what it means to fight. Because as we're hearing the story with David, turning up and slicing his enemies apart is not God's way. And luckily for David, Abigail is much more in tune with the heart of Father. And she comes along, she listens to a servant, she bows in humility, she absorbs the pain, she reminds him of past victories. And I love the fact that at this time in, in history, God sends a woman. Because of course, this is 500 B.C., They were nothing. They had nothing to say. But God goes, oh no, I'm going to send a woman to show you what it might be like, David. And David eventually manages to let his testosterone die down and decides he's going to listen. And in the end, David gets victory without chopping his off. Nabal dies of his own foolishness, which is what happens when you leave fools alone for long enough. They just die of their own foolishness. And what you see all the time is that people see people who are being foolish and decide to get involved. Just let them be foolish. Unless they invite you for some help, of course. But what you see is David leaves him to his own devices and his own foolishness catches up with him. And he gets the girl too, so it's all a good story. But listen, it all happened because he didn't fight. He didn't come out swinging. He didn't bring violence into the place. He absorbed it, presumably at some point forgave, And guess what? Victory is secured. And we see the same when Jesus gets arrested. With that, so Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. They're coming to arrest him. And one of Jesus' companions reaches for his sword, draws it out and strikes the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. So Jesus' friends make the same mistake as David. When they come and arrest him, they go, right. The violence must be the answer. They're coming at me with swords. I'm going to come at you with some swords. We're going to have a fight. They simply could not understand that Jesus' mission would involve submitting to the authorities, allowing himself to be arrested, and permitting himself to be crucified. But of course, that was exactly the plan. And Jesus carries on in these verses in Mark 26 and goes, Look, if we want to fight, boys, I've got 70,000 angels that can come and completely kick their butt. The issue is not power. The issue is how we win the fight. It's not like I'm going to lose. If I wanted to win, I could win. No problem at all. It wouldn't take very long. But but we have to look but I'm going to show you how we're going to win. Because how we're going to win is really important. Because fighting like that is not the way the kingdom came then, and it isn't going to be the way the kingdom comes now. But we see this sense of how kingdom comes most vividly when we get to Revelation, which is perhaps the most misunderstood and misused book in the whole Bible, especially what's going on in the Middle East right now. But anyway, the brilliant and subversive narrative we find. You get this in Revelation 5. Okay, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Okay, now we're talking. We've got a lion going on. This is excellent. We've got a lion who's going to roar and rip enemies to pieces, just like all Israel wanted. Just like I think John was expecting because he was uh, Jewish. And he's like, okay, we're going to come. We're going to wipe everybody out. The lion's going to roar and destroy all their enemies. And then he turns. And he sees a lamb. Looking as if it had been slain. Standing in the center before the throne. Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. From that point on, there is no mention of a lion in the book of Revelation. Other than when an angel roars like a lion. And another point where something happens like a lion. There is no mention of the lion of the tribe of Judah after Revelation 5. But there are 29 mentions of a crucified lamb. 29 of a crucified lamb. You see, because of course, that is the prevailing theme of the story. This is wonderful, incredible, incredible apocalyptic literature. This is, yes, this king is victorious and he reigns in power. And his power is most clearly and succinctly displayed on the cross where he chooses to die than kill people. Just think about that. He chooses to die and to kill people. So when people tell you that God's going to come back and kill some people, remind them that he's never done that and he's never going to do that. Because he could have done that 2,000 years ago and he didn't then, and he ain't going to do it again. So when fear gets put into you because of all the nonsense in the Middle East and we are get told it's the end of the world, rubbish, rubbish. It's got nothing to do with it. He came as a lamb, a crucified lamb. He's not going to come back with a great tattoo on his arm, riding a horse, swinging a sword. What a complete nonsense reading of Revelation. He comes as a lamb. He is a lamb. He's not into killing anybody or destroying anybody. It's not his heart that none would perish. That's his heart, isn't it? That none would perish. So why is he going to come and kill anybody then if his heart is none would perish? The whole book of the Bible and the whole thing you see in Jesus is that fighting and violence in whatever form have no place in the kingdom of God, but sacrifice and submission and rest and vulnerability and forgiveness and absorbing bring the kingdom on the face of the earth. I mean, when have we ever seen violence bring peace? Have you ever seen violence bring peace? Do we think something's going to change tomorrow and violence is going to bring some peace? So what does it mean then to fight for the kingdom? What does it mean to fight for what's right? What does it mean to roar like a lion at the injustice of the world? Or even the injustice you feel in your own little world? Because you see, there's the big world and then there's your little world. And there's the injustice you feel in your little world. And part of you in your little world wants to roar like a lion. Okay, but, but the, lion of the, the lion of the tribe of Judah arrived and it was a crucified lamb. So if you want to roar like a lion at any injustice, you've got to learn to be a crucified lamb. Because a bar is a lot more powerful than a roar. Not really. A little bar is a lot more powerful than a roar. Now you won't see that anywhere else. Other than in this book. So stop thinking about how you're going to roar at all the injustice in the world and in your own life. Start working out, following the path of Jesus to walk as a crucified lamb. Which means to stop fighting and start floating. Stop fighting and start floating. Twice in the last few weeks, I have experienced panic attacks. Twice. Once when I walked out of here, got in my car, and I felt... and Enough people have described it to me to know what it was. I felt like panic was rising up in me. And then another time in Nepal. And each time, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And of course, I know what to do, and I know practically about it. And I said, okay, Lord, well, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm all right. You with me? And I allowed it to, I don't know, I I can't really remember much of it, but I know that I experienced two panic attacks. And I wasn't sure whether it was my panic or somebody else's panic, because that happens to me every now and again. But well, then I was like, all right, well, that's interesting. I <laughs> don't know what that's all about. And then I was in Nepal, and we were worshipping. And praise was rising up all around me. And this is what the Lord said to me. Some panic and anxiety are rising right now. And this is good. Panic and anxiety are rising right now. And this is good. Because I want people to let their panic, anxiety, and fear rise. Up to me as a fragrant offering. But what people are doing is they are fighting it and trying to put a lid on it because they think that's what they're meant to do. But you said, no. Panic, anxiety, and fear are rising because it's meant to rise up out of you, out of you, up to Jesus. Up to Jesus. There's a lot of people a lot of the world because we know, we know that fear just keeps getting unleashed. The latest thing in the Middle East is just the last another round of fear getting unleashed. Okay. And lots of people, it's affecting them in all sorts of ways. And lots of people in this room and outside this room are desperately trying to keep a lid on it. But if you keep a lid on it, that's like thrashing about. And if you try and keep a lid on it for long enough, you'll thrash about for long enough, and you might end up at the bottom of the sea. I mean, metaphorically, not literally. But if you actually allow it to rise out of you and allow yourself to float, then when the lifeboat comes along, you'll be there, ready and waiting to be picked up. Because right now, right now, Lots of people perhaps feel like they're drowning one way or other, and they're praying that Jesus would come along in a boat to pick them out of the water. Jesus is not coming along in a boat to pick you out of the water till you learn to float. He just didn't. Because you need to learn to float. You need to learn to put your head back and go, whatever I am going through and whatever is going on, I am going to trust in the buoyancy of the love of the Father to keep me. And the reason he's not ripping you out of the water and putting you in the boat is because he wants you to learn to float. Because if he rips you out of the water, you won't learn to float. And something will come along next week, next month, next year, and you'll thrash about even more. So in his love, he is not yet picking you out of the water. Because that's what a good dad does. It's time to stop fighting and thrashing about. It's time to put your head back, flow and trust in the buoyancy of the love of Father. You see, you remember the story of Peter when he's walking on the water. Jesus calls him out of the boat into the water. And Peter does it. And I think there's a few of us, I think there's actually Marlon, a few of us at different levels and in different places who are thrashing about a little bit because they feel like they're drowning. But you won't drown. Your body will, everybody can float. Don't matter size, weight, age, everybody can float. If you learn to put your head back, control your breathing and do small movements with your arms to keep yourself afloat. Everybody can float. So, the time for thrashing about is over. You've got to learn to trust the buoyancy of the love of Jesus around us. And yes, there are times fear and panic starts rising and this is why people put a lid on it because they feel it rising and they go oh I don't like that so they go I've got to okay I've got I've got, I've got. and then they think some ridiculous nonsense that because they're a Christian they shouldn't feel like that well just ditch that crap okay you're a human being okay but what they don't realise is every time they put a lid on it and push it back down It just comes back up again, except it builds. And so it gets higher, and eventually it gets higher and higher until suddenly you feel like you're proper drowning. But what if every time you just went, okay, Lord, I'm going to give it to you. Every single time over the however many years I have prayed with people about this sort of stuff, the reality of what it is, is always a lot nicer than what they think it's going to be. So their fear of allowing it to rise up out of them tells them that, I don't know why it tells them, but it's never true. It's never true. So, there are going to be times in these days, weeks, and months ahead (laughs) When you feel like I did in Nepal and in my car, and you feel like panic and fear and anxiety are rising in you, then you'll have a choice. You'll either shut it down, or you'll give it to him. Either way, at some point, you're going to have to do it. So you can keep shutting it down, keep shutting it down, keep shutting it down, and then you can get to a point where you feel like you're a complete mess, or you can just do it every day and crack on with it. It really is quite simple in one sense. And of course, we go, well, I don't, I don't like it. Well, oh, let's take the other nonsense. Well, it shouldn't be like this. Well, it is.
1: Um, I just wanted to share um, some of the, it's something that's been going on at work for qu- quite a few weeks and. I've been feeling quite persecuted at work and just lost in everything. I felt like I was losing my identity and I just felt so fed up and so flat and so angry if I'm honest. And I, I, I'd arranged a meeting with this person and I, I had all my, I documented everything they'd done to a T honestly, I was going to tear them to pieces, <laughs> 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 metaphorically speaking obviously. <laughs> but, me and Steve were watching Chosen and I just really felt God saying to me, you just need to be gracious. I can see everything. And I was just like, no, she's freaking done wrong. (laughs) You know, she's bang out of order and I need to tell her what she's done. And I went into that meeting and I just looked at it from her perspective and just shared that grace. And it not massively changed everything, but it's changed my heart and it's changed my attitude towards that person because I were able to see that I don't need to tear somebody to pieces to have peace, and yeah, I just really felt to share that.